the City, the official podcast of City on a Hill. Thank you again for tuning in. What you are about to listen to is sermon content from the very first Mother's Day service ever at City on a Hill. It took place on May 11, 2014. The title of the sermon was Godly Mothers. And in this week's content, we pulled a great deal from King Solomon, the wisest man of the Bible. Uh, and in this sermon, Solomon gives us some good advice, not just for mothers, but for parents, but particularly to mothers, what a good mother is and what a bad mother is, the result of good motherhood and the result of bad mothers. Uh, so this is Godly Mothers. We hope you enjoy. Thank you for tuning in. So what you have to give there, why I have a three-day getaway after that video. <laughs> Children are a heritage from the Lord. 
offspring, a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of the warrior are children born in one skew. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in the court. I love this verse. Uh, what he's saying here is, listen, like when we have lots and lots of kids, it's a big blessing. And then on the off chance that you ever find yourself in a fight, it's really, really good to have a bunch of sons. Because they can open up a can on all your opponents. If you have a bunch of girls, it might not fare too well for you. If you have a bunch of sons, it's, it's going to be a good day. Uh, goes on and says this in 128. Blessed are all those who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to Him. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your home. And your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Yes, this is the blessing for the man who fears the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you live to see your children's children. Peace be on Israel. And so what David's saying here is that the good life is this, is that when a man loves God and God loves him, when a man loves his wife and his wife loves the husband in return, that if he has kids, that the man that he loves his children, and the children love him back, and he paints this really, really great picture. Uh, and some of you are at this stage of life where you can enjoy this, what he's talking about right now. Where he says, when you sit down at your dinner table, you got your wife there, you got your kids around you, but how many, that's just a good day for you. Uh, but then he says, if you're really, really blessed, if you look around the room, there's like, there's other kids, there's grandkids at the, the little table. And maybe if you're super blessed, there's great-grandchildren. Like some of you, the greatest part of your week is when the kids come over and their grandkids are there with them and they're all playing around and they're tussling with grandma and grandpa. And says, that's the good one. That's the good life according to, to David, Psalms chapter 128. And today we're looking at the role of motherhood in all of us. And here's what you, you need to understand is that all women are mothers. Like whether you have children or not, you, you mother. This is something that's like intrinsically a part of who you are. Maybe you're a... Uh, Maybe you're married and you haven't had any biological kids, but maybe your spouse brought children into the marriage and you're adopting those children. You're like an adopted parent. And whether you have children in your home or not does not change the fact that you mother. All ladies mother. If you don't have kids, what do ladies tend to mother? They tend to mother their jobs. They tend to mother their social networks. How many of you, someone just said it, how many have ever seen someone come and say, they have this four-legged beast to their cat or dog and say, this is my, my baby. That's not a baby. Uh, like that thing has hair on its back and poops inside. And I know like some of you that are young parents, like, well, my baby poops inside still. That will change, but not with the cat. The cat will always poop inside. Uh, maybe you can toilet train it. But uh, the idea is just that all, all ladies mother. Uh, they're all, but I remember we had a community group. Well, we had a single lady in our community group. She, she couldn't have any children. But she mothered us. And since we became her children, and she, she cared for us, if she ever knew there was a in our group, she kind of took us under her wing. She would bring us gifts. Uh, she would come out and help us with the, the garden, because she loved her garden. And she just loved the people in the community group, and so she loved uh, you know, our little community group there. All, all ladies mother, the question is just, what are you mothering, who are you mothering, and where are you mothering? And kind of, we get an idea of what mother looks like, and the effect the motherhood's affected by something that predates us, and that's, that's the fall. And then the fall is to this, that children are a blessing, 
uh, and we're raising our children underneath the curse. So this is what it says in Genesis chapter 128. God created them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Um, so we love this verse. This is a great verse. Uh, imagine being Adam in the garden and you got completely naked Eve, you got completely naked Adam right there and God says, listen, you have a job. Okay, well what's my job? Fill the earth. The whole earth? The whole earth. Okay, baby, come here. Like, that's going to be busy. And sitting on the hill loves that verse. But, and if you don't believe me, go downstairs and look today. And there's tons. There's tons of kids. There's tons of kids. We have pregnant mothers in the room, which we're just very, very excited for. That's part of the proto-evangelium. Is that we're proclaiming the gospel by passing it out to our children, to their children, and so on and so forth. Now, here's what this does not mean. Uh, it does not just mean a fruitful and a good mom is one who has a lot of kids. Now, is it good to have lots of kids? I think he is. Um, I heard one guy, he's uh, getting ready to propose later on, he says, I want to have 12. <laughs> oh, that's a, that's a big, that's a, that's a, that's a lot of kids right there. Uh, wow, that's going to be a lot of kids. Now, just because you have a lot of kids does not make you a good mom or a good dad. Because your kids can be a bunch of demons running around the kids' church, terrorizing other kids, knocking over pipe and drape, you know, eating all the, the candy cookies, and uh, just being a total nuisance. Lots of kids does not mean fruitful kids. What does it mean to have fruitful kids? Fruitful kids are ones that fear the Lord. They're ones that have been disciplined. They're ones that have been loved. They're ones that have been corrected. They're ones that have been, that they're turning from folly. So there's a big difference just between having a lot of kids and having uh, a lot of kids that honor the Lord. And the job of a mother and the job of a father, like we said, it's, it's more difficult, not just because, the job itself is difficult, but the job of a parent is even more difficult in light of the fact that sin is in the world. Uh, it says this in Genesis 3.16, To the woman he said, I will make the pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. So because of sin, there's complications in life. There's complications um, for women. The two complications it points out to women are this. It says, one, you're going to want to rule over your husband. And here's why. Uh, because you're going to see all his inadequacies. You're going to see all his imperfections. Uh, you're going to see all the things that he does not do right. And you're going to view them as inadequate. And you're going to think that you can do it better. And quite possibly, you, you probably could in some ways. But the tendency for you, the frustration, the tension for you in life is to admit that you think sometimes you can do it better. You don't want to rule over your husband. And ladies, how, uh, guys, sorry, how many of you admit that your wife sees all of your flaws? You think so? She might just be able to do a better job. Come on, guys, help me out here. Now, that was meant to be funny. That was meant to be very, very honest. Uh, do we have it all together, guys? You guys are the worst. I swear. Sometimes I'm Yeah, I told you that all together. Dude, check me out. We're going to take care of the woodshed after service. Teach you the gospel because apparently I haven't read it yet. Um, the second thing that it says regarding women is that you're going to have increased pains in childbearing. Now, ladies, is that true? Like, I've witnessed two children being born, and I've, I've been in the hospitals as a pastor watching, not watching children be born, but watching them come out of the room. And I know this is true because there's a licensed drug dealer in every room with a lizard. Give me meds, give me meds. It shows off the lava line for a couple minutes. Um, Bearing children is painful. Now, whoever said that 
childbirth is a pretty thing. They're, they were smoking crack. <laughs> because that is not a beautiful thing. I remember, I'm not going to give you the details for those of you who have yet to experience, but the sights and the sounds and the smells and all the other aesthetics of the room, it's quite a sight. Now, the end result is a beautiful, beautiful thing. But that process, it's messy. It's messy. And what it goes on and tells us is this, that childbearing is painful. It's painful. And not just giving birth to children is painful, but raising children is equally painful. Um, and here's, the, here's what happens. Is many people, they get the idea that we're living under a curse, confused with children are a curse. And here's what we need to be very, very clear on. Children are not a curse. Children are a blessing. Children are a gift from God. Now what happens though is that we're born into an accursed environment. Now, is it a curse that a man has to work? No. Like, that's a duty, that's a responsibility. Man was working before the curse fell. Adam was taken to the garden, he had a responsibility. But what happened after the fall is that the, the whole of creation was cursed, it made his job that much more difficult. And the same is true of childhood. Is that when you raise children, you're, living, you're raising them in a cursed and fallen world, in a prayed, sick world, and it's just very, very difficult. Some people do not get this. And the result is that they view children as a curse. And practically, this is why we have such things as birth control, we have such things as playing parenthood clinics, where we have abortion, and so on and so forth, it's because people view children as a curse. Um, I remember some people, and if you look at Trent, it's really interesting. Every passing year, Young married couples are choosing to wait longer and longer to have children. And some are choosing, I don't want to have children at all because I want to live my own. And if you've ever sat with someone who kind of thinks this way, you know, because when they tell you they're pregnant, it's almost like they're telling you they got diagnosed with some, you know, deadly disease. Uh, I remember coming to church one day and there's this coast, their face was trying, they were salt, and I put all the wind, so I punched them in the stomach or something. But guys, what's wrong? Is everything kind of, oh, we just went to the doctor. Is everything okay? No, no, nothing's all right. What's wrong? We're going to have a baby. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? That's a blessing. That's a gift. That's not a curse. That's not like a, it's not like a no fun sentence for the next 20 years. It's, it's the biggest blessing that you can bestow upon anybody. Just to give you an idea of some of the statistics in our society, uh, here is a study that was conducted about nine years ago, there's one that was good just recently, I'll share some of the stats on that. Between 1996 and 2006, the number of women in the workforce grew from 61.8 million to 70.6 million. That's an increase of 16%. And so what that shows us is that ladies, instead of choosing to be mothers and stay at home with their kids, rather choose to go home and, and have a career. That is, to be very clear, is this going to happen to job is wrong? I am not saying that. Having a job is not wrong. It's not a sin. Just a, but what's, what's most important? What's most important? That there is a higher calling than having a job, and that could be being a mother. It goes on, and there's some more stats. In 2005, 63% of working age women were in the workforce compared to 54% in 1996. This is not just single women, so it's not just ladies who aren't married and who don't have kids. This is married women as well, it represents 75% of households in America where both spouses are working. So that means that all women above the age of 18, 75% of them are now working. 
And this is a, the one just came out last year, this came out last year, which says there's more ladies working right now than any other time in the past four years. That America is voted in the most important thing for American households is dual income. Is dual income. Uh, the emphasis of most spouses working accounts for there being no population growth. Think about that. No population growth for the top 25% of wealthy people. So this tells us that for money over children. But let me ask you this. Are they still having sex? Yeah. So they're still having babies. But the question is, is who's raising those babies? Generally, it's, it's other women. Either, either mother-in-laws or uh, stepmothers or daycares or in some situations, foster care. Like some parents say, you know what, I really don't want to have a kid. This is a really big inconvenience to me. So I'd rather pass this responsibility off to someone else. And so they put the kid in the foster care system. And I had a chance to talk with the guy who grew up in the foster care system in California this week in Orlando. And it's just it's deplorable. Just a poor. You know, Savannah, there are, this thing headline news too, so in Savannah that uh, there's only, I think, like half a dozen foster parents in all of Savannah. And that there's such an overwhelming amount of children in Savannah without parents, we're having to ship them up to Atlanta where there's bigger uh, foster homes and care systems because we can't provide them down here. The level of, of fatherless children and motherless children in our, in our region is astounding. It's astounding. And I say that because who's that going to follow? On you and I, and some How to prepare to be a mother? Some of you ladies are here today, and you're like, you know what? I'm all about being a mom, and that's totally good. Like, how many ladies like, if you could get married right now, you would, and if you could be a mom right now with the guy you want, of course, not just with any schmo. Uh, that's totally me. Uh, we have any ladies here that like, like, like to get married? Okay, thank you. Now, guys, how have I not set the table for you? I, I load up the bases. There's no outs. There's no strikes. There are godly women in our church who I think would make wonderful, wonderful moms. The truth is they're just waiting on a godly guy to come along and ask them out on a date. So guys, let's get some courage and uh, find these ladies and ask them out on a date. Uh, a couple of things. If you're a single lady, what can you do before you're a mom that can help you to be a mom later on? The first thing I'll say is this. Is fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. Above getting your, you know, your, your appearance all together, fear the Lord. The Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, Proverbs 31 speaks of, the, of, of a God-honoring woman. It says that, you know, beauty is fleeting and the charm is deceptive. Why? Because gravity always wins. It's, it's all temporary. This is a woman who feared the Lord is to be, to be praised. A woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. What does the fear of the Lord do? It keeps you away from sin. It, it draws you towards Jesus. So it's like you're working towards Jesus. You're working against sin. So my question for you ladies is this. We're single right now. Do you fear the Lord? Do you fear the Lord? Is Jesus number one in your life? Or is there something else above Jesus? If you fear the Lord, it's going to go very, very well for you. Second thing I'll say is this, is marry a righteous man. Marry a righteous man. Now, it's not enough that you fear the Lord. You also find a man that likewise fears the Lord. Um, here's what tends to happen. Ladies look at guys and they say, I love him. Oh, he's so cute. He's just adorable. And they, they bypass all his inadequacies. They bypass his irresponsibilities. And they say, 
I'm going to fix him. I'm going to make him better. I'm going to make him to be the guy that he should be, but he's not right now. And the problem is that they just don't respect the guy. And ladies, I guess I'm just going to say, don't marry the guy if you don't respect him. Okay? Don't marry a dude if you don't respect him. A lot of ladies, I find, they marry guys that they don't respect, that they love. Now, marry a guy because you love him is not bad. But Titus says, I think it's Titus 2, I could be wrong. Says, you know, wives love her husband, love her husband, which is a good thing. But if you don't respect your husband, what are you doing? I, I call this like straight dog syndrome. There was a commercial I ran several, a couple of years ago, you might remember, this lady, she couldn't see, she, had, like, she didn't have her glasses on, and she goes to the back door, thinking she let the cat out, it was like a raccoon, a rabbit raccoon, so she opens the door, come on in, kitty, and, the, and this raccoon comes in and destroys the house, and I think a lot of girls treat guys like stray dog, oh, he's so cute, I can fix him, I can train him, he poops on the carpet, he tears up the furniture, it's like Cujo, the maniacal dog, let loose in your home, and all the while, you're, you're suffering for it. You're so, don't, listen, don't marry a guy you don't respect. Don't marry a man who doesn't fear the Lord. But if you do marry a man who fears the Lord, you're going to be blessed. Your house will be blessed. Your legacy will be blessed. Okay. Lastly, I'll read this Proverbs 14, 26. Whoever fears the Lord is a secure fortress, and for their children it will be a refuge. And then 20, verse 7 says, The righteous lead blameless lives. Blessed are their children after them. What that kind of tells us is that a man builds a house. He builds a home. And then he brings his wife and his children into that home. And ladies, the kind of guy that you marry, the kind of guy that you wind up with forever, is the kind of guy that your children will want to be like. So you have to ask yourself now, do you want your home to be like the man that you're bringing into it? Because whether you want him to or not, that's what's going to happen. You're, you will reproduce that man over and over again in some way, shape, or form. So make sure you marry the right man. It says this, that she builds a home. Proverbs 14, 1. The wise woman builds her house. And all this essentially says is that we should be homeward. We should be homeward in the perspective. Again, is it bad having a job? No, it's not bad having a job. But what's your, where's your priority in Where's your heart at? Now we can get up here and we can we can tell the we can lay to the men all day long that men need to be godly, men need to be men to fear the Lord, need to be men to take upon responsibility. But the truth is this: is that if ladies, you know, settle for being great men and, and lose their pants for any other guy, then we're gonna have an epidemic on our hands no matter what. And so, ladies, you have to marry good men. And you know what the Bible says? It says that you know men pursue. Men pursue the wives. Also, you know that gives ladies the ability to do? To be very selective. To be very, very selective. Like some of you ladies, you might want to consider raising the bar about 10 points and saying no to the next five guys that come along. Look, Jesus has a guy that's good for you and can take care of you. And if we don't do this, what happens is we have the epidemic that we have our hands today. That four out of six, four out of ten kids go to bed without a dad. Four to ten kids in our region go to bed every night without a dad inside their home. Ladies, you need to be in your perspective. It goes on, says this, uh, objectives of motherhood. Uh, a couple things that every mother should, should aspire to, some things that we should, we should kind of lean in towards. And the first is that motherhood is not based upon ch the children. Uh, that we don't have children-centered homes. And nor do we have mother-centered homes. How do we do 
Puritan. It's Jesus said. It's Jesus said. Well, let me tell you the difference. If we have kids centered homes, in our homes, the highest priority, all the attention goes to the children. What ends up happening is we end up creating gods of our children. And, and, and Jesus becomes secondary. But in, in a Jesus-centered home, what happens is Jesus is centered. Our children are always being redirected towards Jesus. Our children are being corrected in light of Jesus' teaching. There's a very, very big difference between the two. Secondly, it's the, one of the objectives of mother is to guard and direct the child's heart. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 15 says this, Folly is bound up in the heart of a child. And in Proverbs 4, 23, it says this, Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do, out of it, everything flows. David says this, that one of the roles of being a mom is, is correcting your children. Uh, and and it's, not just, it's not just obedience training. It's directing their hearts. I'll give you an example of this. There's no shortage of toys in the freezing home. Uh, we've got, I think, seven grandparents that are still alive and well, and they love our kids, and so the result is we have tons and tons and tons of toys. Now, with all the toys that we have, is there always something for either Howard or Beth to play with? Yes, but what do they fight over? The toy that the other child has. It makes no sense because it's like 25 cent toys, too. It's, it's a, the, the, the logic makes no sense whatsoever. Now, I can come in and I can reprimand uh, who has a first, okay? The law says that if she had a first, you keep it. But in doing so, I'm only training for obedience. But the object of parenting is to correct the child's heart. So in moments like this, instead of saying, listen, you give it up to her or who had a first, I say, listen, why don't you guys love each other like you should? Because that's the real issue. The real issue of mothers, the goal for mothers in correcting their children is to go to the heart of the issue. Not the fruit. Not the fruit. The fruit of this issue is the toys. Like the children are fighting over toys. You shouldn't fight over toys. Bad children go sit time out. It's fine to punish them. But what's the heart of the issue? The heart of the issue is they don't have love for one another. And the goal of parenthood, the goal of motherhood, is to correct the heart. And here's the reason why. Because you can have really, really obedient children who have wicked and depraved hearts and still go to hell. And if we, that's not the kind of children we want to raise. Yes, we want obedient children, but we want them to have hearts that are directed towards Jesus and everything they do. So one of the objects of motherhood is to break their hearts. Uh, secondly, starting children off on the right path. Proverbs 22, 6 says this, Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. How many of you guys agree that what you're doing to your kids right now will have a very, very strong impact 20 years from now? You guys agree with that statement? Because you were setting them on a trajectory. And, and all this is really because sociologists say within the first four years of a child's life, it's the most formative years of their entire life. That what happens after age four is really that they're just making minor adjustments throughout their life. So what this means, the free parents have kids under the age of four, uh, four and five, or if you have grandparents in here, the kids on the age of four and five, you're literally directing their hearts and you're setting them on a trajectory for the rest of their life. What you're doing right now really, really matters. And some of you are like, oh gosh, I'm scared. They're not going down a good path. Well, there's a whole other thing we can factor, and that's the grace of Jesus. And that is enormous. And that conquers over all of our mistakes and all of our inadequacies, but it does not negate your responsibility. The Bible says that 
you have to set them off on a good track. Proverbs 20.11 says this, even small children are known by their actions. Like how many, like you know lots of babies, you know lots of little kids, you have lots of teachers here, and you can kind of tell how some kids are heading there just by the way they act in school, the way they act in Sunday school, the way they act on other kids. Yeah, they're, they're developing a trajectory right now. The parents are shaping them. You have the enormous part of shaping their trajectory. Duties of a mom. Um, what are some of the duties of a mom? One is to provide unspoken instruction. Now, how many of you have ever heard someone say, I said this a lot, so I'm very, very guilty of it. Do as I say, not as I do. Who's ever said that before? Uh, not your best parenting moment, I know, uh, but I've done it. What do you tend to follow more? What someone says or what someone does? What someone does, because we learn by observation. And I witnessed this in no greater spot than when Becca was like nine months old, and Hallie was maybe two, and we're living in Iowa. And Beck was a, just a, oh my gosh, that girl could scream and break the glass. Um, and she was crying all the time. We were upstairs, we had this like, little baby rocker, and uh, Jessica was pulling clothes, and Beck would just start screaming. I mean, just, I mean, just only the sound that a mother could love. And, and Jessica would stop pulling clothes, and she would go sit on her hands and knees at the base of this rock and say, and she'd rub her head. It's okay, Becca. Don't cry. Mommy's here. Mommy loves you. Don't cry. She had a rock her balance a little bit. Just soothe Becca. Well, a couple minutes later, Jessica had to go downstairs to get laundry out of the out of the washing machine or the dryer, I forget. And uh, Becca starts screaming, bloody murder. And Hallie kind of looks around to see where mom's at, and then she walks up over to the baby crib and she kneels down next to, uh, to Becca and she takes her hand over and says, It's okay, Becca. Don't cry. Sissy's here. Sissy loves you. I love you. It's okay. Don't worry. And, and what this shows us is that children learn by observation. And so, Mom, your kids are watching you. They are watching you like a hawk. And, they're, and then, no matter what you do, they admire you. Because you have to say, you're a hero inside their life. So they're going to they're gonna fall after you. Here's the funny thing. Becca now does this. You know who she does it with? Me. <laughs> like on Mondays after church, I'm like, oh gosh, like, it's okay, Daddy. Don't you worry. Becca's here. You're going to be okay. I love you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's bad, Becca. You just don't know. Proverbs 31 16. <clears throat> she considers the fields and, buy, and buys it, and out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. And Proverbs 31 21. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. What is this talking about? It's talking about how a mother handles her money. Uh, ladies, your mom, uh, your children are watching how you spend your money. Your children are watching how you save your money. And, and they're going to follow in your footsteps. How you spend your money, they're likely going to do the exact same thing. You're, you're, every dollar, every card slot is not just what it seems. You're developing patterns for decades to come. But they, they will follow it, also possibly their grandchildren as well. Just think about that the next time you go to the counter. Um, second thing she does is she provides good instruction. Um, and here's the deal. That mothers have to teach when children are young. Because if, if no teaching is provided when they're young, they just don't listen when they're older. Uh, Proverbs says this in 3126. When she speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. You need to know the Bible, ladies. Because you need to know the Bible. Let me tell you why. Because you will teach. 
just like Jesus. He'll teach just like Jesus. How did Jesus teach? As life was happening around him, he was speaking into the circumstance. And you're going to speak into every circumstance, into every argument that comes up, to every boo-boo the child has on their knee, uh, to every uh, contention that they face in life. They're going to come to you and they're going to say, hey, what do I do? And you're going to speak into it. The question is, is out of what wealth of knowledge are you pulling from? And I would say that whatever you're ingesting into your head, whatever you're ingesting into your heart, that's going to be what you share with you. So if you're watching a lot of Oprah, you're going to share a lot of Oprah-isms. If you're watching a lot of Dr. Phil, you're going to be pouring out a lot of Dr. Phil. But if you're, if you're reading, if you're tearing apart, you're divulging the Bible, you are going to be able to provide a wellspring of wisdom and nourishment that they desperately, desperately need. Where, where are you going to fear for you? Not only should provide good instructions, it says this in Proverbs 28, Listen to my son, your father's instructions, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Proverbs 6.20 says, My son, keep your father's commands, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Here's what's also really important. That mothers, not only do you teach, but you need to, you need to make sure they're following through with what you're telling them to do. Because if, if not, what happens is you have a bunch of kids who know a whole lot of stuff, who got all their, maybe their theology figured out in their brain, but maybe they have all the, those which right and wrong, but they never do it. And then what you have is just a bunch of little legalists. And I'll tell you that the last thing the church needs today is a bunch of little legalists running around telling what to do, never doing it themselves. The man that they follow through, they tell them to do it. The correct folly. Children sin. Like, no, not my kid. You're deceived. Uh, children's sin. Parents do agree children's sin. Uh, it says this in Proverbs 22, 15. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of discipline will drive it far away. Let me just say, this isn't in my notes, but so many parents, they're just so deceived regarding the sinfulness of their kids. Like, they see their baby for the first time. I know it's beautiful. But they say, this like, oh, it's sinless. It's perfect. It's without blemish. It is pure. No, it is not. Uh, that baby comes out peeing, pooping, and declaring its dominion over everyone and everything. And every scream is a cry for control. Uh, babies are simple. David says they're simple from when? From the womb, before they're even entering it, out into the real world. They're, they're simple in the mother's womb. And so the job of the parent is to correct falling. So the job of the parent is to discipline. Now, some parents will say that I can never, ever discipline my kid because I love them way too much. I would say this, that you don't love your child unless you discipline them. And tragically, tragically I've, seen, I've seen both things. I've seen children grow up with a lot of discipline. They don't always enjoy it. Like no one smiles when they're getting their butt put across their, butt, uh, their backside, a belt put across their backside. But you know what happens later on in life? Turn around and thank mom and dad for it. Now, those who were never disciplined, they were never knowing discipline, so they can never take constructive criticism, they can never take encouraging uh, remarks, and they become very haughty, and they push off all discipline in life. The odds are that they hardly ever hold down a job, they, they can never hold down a marriage. It's just, it's painful. It's just painful. The sign of, of a parent that loves their kids is one who disciplines their kids. It's one who disciplines their kids. Let me give you an illustration. We're going to move into a new house. Um, 
And we have some furniture coming in from my parents and hand me downs. And apparently it's really, really valuable. It's, um, it's like heirlooms that have been passed down from generation to generation. And uh, we were thinking about how on earth are we going to make sure that this stuff doesn't get destroyed uh, by our kids? Because we have a three-year-old and a five-year-old, and it's like having a wrecking ball in your house 24-7. And so I go, what are we going to do? And I had this stupid idea. All of it's stupid. I said, we'll just make sure they don't go into certain rooms of the house. You're laughing. Do you childproof your home, or do you homeproof your children? If you childproof your home, you make up stupid rules like that. You're not allowed to go into this room. You're not allowed to touch this thing. You're not allowed to, to play on this item. But what happens when they leave your home and they go to somebody else's home? They destroy everything there. Rather, what we do, we, we teach our kids control. We teach our kids self-control. We teach them how to, to, to handle certain things. And if we don't, what happens? What's the one place in America where those who have no self-control go to? Prison. Prison. Prison is for those control, for those who lack any control. So parents, if you love kids, you discipline your kids, you teach them control again. Fruits of folly, uh, Proverbs 11, 29, says this. Whoever brings ruin um, on their family will inherit only the wind, and the fool will be a servant to the wise. We're looking at a series of verses right now where uh, Solomon, the wisest man of the Bible, uh, says this is what happens if you don't discipline your this is what happens if you don't provide good instruction for your kids. This is what happens if you just kind of pull back and just watch. It says, this is what, this is what goes on. It says, uh, it will ruin the family, it will, uh, it will only ruin their family, they will hear all the wind, and the fool will be a servant to the wise. Children who don't discipline their kids, they, they ruin their own name. Like, how many of you would love to have the last name Capone? Or Hitler? Or Mussolini? Those are names that, like, uh, I've changed my last name. I, I, I go by anything other than those names. But what happens is children who have no discipline, they don't just end up ruining their own lives. They end up ruining your life as well. They end up ruining your family. Imagine being like a grandpa. Like, you work and you slave for your kids. And then you didn't discipline your son. The result was that your son didn't discipline his son. And that son made a terrible, terrible, grievous sin that didn't only affect his father, but affect your whole legacy. Like, your legacy means nothing there. Like, when you think of Hitler, the last name Hitler, you only think of one thing. You don't think of anything else in all history other than what one person did. If you don't just put your kids, you're going to ruin your name. Because when it says this in 10.1, A wise man brings joy to his father, but a foolish son brings grief to his mother. Last week, there was a, there was a story that was on the news of a, of a guy, a couple of young boys, who were carousing around houses at night and decided to break into a home. I don't know if you guys saw this. And unknowns to them, there was an elderly person in the home with a gun. And the elderly person shot them down and killed the, the teenage boys. Now, who was on the news the next morning weeping and wailing and crying their eyes out? The mom. The mom. Whenever you see some heinous act happen, you see the victims, but right alongside the victims, you see the parents of the perpetrator just weeping and sobbing. Kids, if you don't obey your parents, you're going to bring grief to your mom. And moms, if you don't discipline your kids, you're going to bring grief to your mom. A foolish son brings grief to his father and bitterness to his mother who bore him. Think about bitterness to his mother. It can literally get so bad that a mother can look at her son 
and say, I wish it never happened. That's, that's not so terrible. That's simple. No one should ever say that. Why? Well, I agree with you. That should never, ever be said. But the greatest crime did not happen with those words being said. The greatest crime took place years and years ago when the mother sat by, idly, doing nothing. Doing nothing. 2020. If someone curses out their father and mother, their land will be snuffed out in pitch darkness. Moms and dads, you cannot let your kids curse you. You cannot let your kids disrespect you. I was a youth pastor for six years, but I was just, I was dumbfounded sometimes. I'd go over to dinner at these, these children's homes and sit across the table as they're just berating their parents, telling their parents what they're going to do. And the mom and dad say, no, I'm not going to do that. Oh, yes, you are. Oh, yes, you are. It's like, you want to backhand them right there on the spot. You know what happened? In the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, if you did this, it was considered capital punishment. Like, you die. They would take you out to the street, and they would stone you. And some of you kids are like, ah, I don't see the big deal here. Let me tell you why it's a very big deal. Men, you carry the title of father if you have kids. That's a correlation, that's a representation of God the Father. Wives, likewise, the Bible says that you're a helper, you're a helpmate to your husband. One of the titles of the Holy Spirit is helper. And children, as you degrade, and as you attack, and as you curse your parents, that's not just an attack on your parents. But it's an attack on the relationship that God Himself has set in place, and partially, in some respects, on His name. On His name. It's important. Kids, you can't curse up your parents. And, and Dad, let me ask you this. Do you speak to, your, to the mother in such a way that allows the kids and permits the kids to say whatever they want? And they should know. I knew this. There was one occasion. I'll never forget this. I learned a lesson the hard way. Um, but some people are never going to laugh because they knew me during this time. I, I'd sit in the back of my mom and she went to hit me. And she should have. Um, and in defense, I raised my arm up. Now, Bowen, he's a mixed martial artist. If you know, if you raise your hand up against a punch, and you block a punch, it hurts the person who's punching you. And my mom wasn't punching me, just to be clear. She was, she was, she was going to swap my mouth, and she should have. But I put my arm up, and it hurt her forearm. Well, she told my dad. And that was bad news. That was bad news. I learned very, very quickly. I don't, you don't disrespect your mom. My dad would not permit it. My dad would not permit it. And fathers... How do you permit your kids to talk to mom? And they need to know that she is a treasure, and she is a gem, and she is considered untouchable. And then if not, they're responsible, they're going to be responsible for the words that they say. Likewise, it says this in Proverbs uh, 30, 11, Those There are those who curse their fathers and do not bless their mothers. So maybe you're not, you're not cursing out your mom and dad guys, especially this should have probably young teenagers in the room. What do you say to mom and dad when they're not there? Are you honoring and respecting your mother and your father when they're not in the room? When you get around your buddies, you're on the bus, and you're headed out to a school event, and, and other kids are talking about how twisted their parents are, are you chiming in? Are you having the conversation? Or, are you saying, no, my mom's different. It sounds like you guys have a bad I got a good one. And, and guys, let me just say this again. This is not something that comes naturally for young men, especially teenagers. They need to be coached. There needs to be times inside the house that are set aside to honor the mom. And, and I, I personally think of no better time than dinner. 
Uh, it's because I'm hungry, and I, I, I see my wife slaving over the, the snow, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be really, really good. A good time to honor mom is to get the kids on the table and say, hey, isn't she doing a good job? Just kind of showing them how, what honor looks like. Isn't she wonderful, guys? Isn't she a blessing? Isn't she a gift? Aren't you thankful for her? What, what would you like to say to your mom tonight? And maybe some of you guys can go home this afternoon and do just that. If you really need to take the focused effort of honoring and praising your mom, maybe even further repenting of how you haven't done it yet. Proverbs 19, 26, Whoever robs their father and drives out their mother is a child who brings shame and disgrace. So what should happen in life is that a mother should, should get older and if kids move out of the house and the mom should be able to enjoy the latter years of her life in peace and quiet, what happens is a mother who doesn't discipline her kids, the kids never leave. Like they're there and they never left. They're still eating your food. They're still asking you to make them sandwiches. They're still telling you, hey, you have a hot pocket, mom. They're living in your basement between Star Wars sheets. It's just bad. Um, like, that's what happens to a kid who never gets to be disciplined enough. They never get, uh, they never know how to spell the, the most important word in life. That's J-O-B, job. Um, and what happens is the kids never grow up. And they spill the resources out of mom and dad when they need them the absolute most. Um, a rod and a, a, rod and a reprimand impart wisdom, but a child left undisciplined disgraces its mother. Uh, a child that's left to themselves is not good. I knew this, I knew this family, I knew a family in Savannah, where the kids didn't want to go to school, so the mom said, okay, you can go to homeschool. Well, the mom wasn't there to oversee any of the homeschool. There's no discipline in the house. So what did the kids do all day long? They played like Mario Brothers. Uh, they played Xbox. The result was that at the age of 18, they couldn't read, they couldn't write their own names. They were still coloring a crown on their job applications. The result is today, I kid you not, the result is that they're in their mid-20s, and mom and dad are still driving them around with their hobbies, they're still living in the same house. And that's when your kid becomes a total terrorist. That's when no matter what, you, know, you just kick them out. Say, I'm sorry, you gotta go. There's a cardboard box, and you didn't even take that. We'll pray for you, but you need to get your life together. And it happens, and it happens all the time. It happens all the time. And listen, here's the deal. Men, men are a little bit better at doing this. Agreeable. There's a little bit of grit that comes with men. Ladies, this is something you need to do. Your kids get older, you need to let them go. You need to let them go. If you don't, you'll never let them go. And the result is that they'll always be there with you, even when you don't want them to be. And here's the last one. The eye that mocks a father that scorns against his mother will be pecked out by all the ravens of the valley and will be eaten by vultures. Guys, here's the deal. All these verses just say one thing. But if you want to have a child's life who's just marked by destruction, you only have to do one thing. All there's just one thing. Just nothing. Just do nothing. And watch. You can sit back and you can have a front row seat to the biggest train derailment that you've ever witnessed in your life. You will, you will watch your child as they fly off the tracks, demolish everything, not just their own life, not just your life, but also everyone that they come into contact with is touched and summoned by their destruction. Unless you, you don't want this, and if you're honest, some, some of you here today, like, I, I correlate with that. But that's, that's been my parenting for a very long time. I don't want it to be. But if that's you, I would encourage you to do two things. One is repent. Parenting is not for the kid, it's not for your self-esteem, it's for under the Lord. We parent, we raise our children for the glory of Jesus, amen? And we, our hope is that they'll grow up to 
move out of her house and worship Jesus and raise children around the also worship Jesus. So you need to repent because your first crime is against God and your children. And secondly, like, what do I do? What, if that's me, what do I do? How do I get back on the right track? You're in the lava. Because we've got some wonderful, wonderful mothers here sitting on the and we have some mothers from the latter ages of their mother that their, their kids are moving out of their house, or they've already moved out of their house. They have their kids have jobs of their own, they're working, they're very, very fruitful. What I would encourage you to do is maybe get in touch with some of those parents. Talk with them. And they will give you some wonderful advice. And they won't do it from a high chair because any good parent knows that they've made some terrible blunders of their own. I, guys, I was about, I got to counseling because I'm so fearful out of my position as a pastor. I don't deal with the property. I don't, I don't get the chance to, to engage with some people on the level of transparency that most do. So I'm a counselor. And I share all my crazy stories with them. And I say, what do we need to do? I need help. Guys, don't be ashamed to, to seek out help. Do not be ashamed to seek out help. Be humble. Be humble. That's your, your first step. Now, at this point, like, I don't want to take a roof I have hearing another verse about how the effects of bad parenthood are going to affect my life. Now we get to the good stuff. Okay? I want to share just a couple of encouraging verses and we're going to close out of here. Proverbs 31, 28. Her children will arise and call her blessed and her husband also praises her. One of the marks of a godly good mother is this. Is that her children will look at her and say, Man, Mom, thanks. Thank you so much. And here's what happens. It tends to happen later in life. Like some of you have kids right now, and like, I wish it happened now, but they can't spell yet. They're going to have a wall. We had to give them some time. It generally happens later in life. For me, it happened when I was in college. I looked at all the other kids that were living in my dorm room hall and how crazy they were, how some of them were failing out the first semester of college because they had no discipline. I remember calling them and said, thank you very much. I, I never knew. I had no idea what it was like. And if you're really, really lucky, you have grandkids who did the same thing. They say, Grandma, you did a really good job. I have a really good dad because you were a good mom. Or I have a really good mom because you were a great mom. And you showed her how to do that. So thank you very, very much. It says also that her husband just sings her phrases. But the husband looks at her and goes, wow. Wow. I am blessed. Like, my, the greatest gift I've ever had in life is you. Thank you very, very much. You're a wonderful mom. Another verse is this in Proverbs 17, 6. Children's children are crowned in the age. Of parents are, are the pride of their children. It's good to hear grandparents. Some of you like to think that. Some of you were here. How many of you ever seen grandparents with their grandkids? It's just giddy. John's a good example of this. John is just giddy. Like, you see, a, 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 like, you ever like to see how a parent talks to a baby? Like, <laughs> this makes all the, oh, dude. It's all the silly faces. Like, that's how they are with the grandkids. They don't care who's watching because they're just so enthralled with their kids. And uh, my, my parents live a long, long ways away, so whenever they do come into town, it's a big deal. But when they arrived, we thought Mickey Mouse had left his castle in Disney World. And he had arrived, and I was like, oh my God! Grandpa and Grandpa are here! And my parents come through the door, they don't even say hi to me anymore. They just they go right for the kids, and uh, they bring back this treasure trove. They have a suitcase full of gifts. And inside of one bag, like four pounds of cane sugar that they just inject into my children. I swear. And it's kind of nice because we get to go on date nights when they come out. We come back, and my kids, they look like this, but their eyebrows are like 10 feet up on the side. Well, what happened? We don't see them. 
four pounds of sugar. It was so good. And they were bouncing around in their dresses and their Barbies and Grandma had them a pony. I'm not even kidding. They got her a pony. Hallie has red hair just like her. It's crazy. They call Pony Chester. Um, and what this shows us is that when, when you're blessed, a, a good mother, she knows she's blessed that later on in life, the grandkids just love to go to her. And then the parents, they want them to. The parents, oh, please, please. It's a blessing for you to go experience your grandparents. You know when you have a good mom, young guys, those of you who have moms or grandparents here, you know you have a good mom when you don't want to deprive your children of the blessing of being with their grandparents. And that's some of you. I know that's the case with my in-laws. It's the case with my mom and dad as well. I, I'm so happy that they can be here with them. It's a blessing. It's a blessing. And lastly, Listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. Statistically, ladies, you're going to outlive your husbands. And the question has to be asked, did you kill them? <laughs> Statistically, you're going to live longer than your husbands. And then the question is, is this, who's going to, who's going to take care of you in your old age when you're alone? Historically, what, what's supposed to happen is that that's when the kids come in. And if you have a good, if you have a good mom, what the, what the kids do is they, they rush to the mother's side and say, you come live with us, mom. We're looking forward to having you be with us. So what this means for you children is that you need to approach life with a mindset that one day mom will never remember living with you. And I know in the case with, with Deb and my mom is that we're probably going to be fighting our brothers and sisters, to see who gets to have mom in their house. And that's a fight I'm looking forward to winning with my brother. Um, I, I'm bigger than him still. Um, not by much. Guys, the whole idea here is that mothers are a gift. Mothers are a gift. The young guys need to treasure them. Because they're here for a time. And fathers need to make sure that they know they're 